You know, this summer we will be visiting some of the Psalms, as uh, we mentioned a couple Sundays ago. We started with a song that Becky and I wrote in college, and uh, we're going to be uh, going through different Psalms of the Bible, um, and, and looking at, not all of them, of course, but looking at certain ones for this summer, as we look at a summer of songs, and uh, we are going to hopefully be encouraged and challenged by the different Psalms that we look at. But uh, some of the Psalms we're going to be looking at, we're going to discover how they can minister to us in our time of need, just like music does for us today. Now, you turn on the radio, or maybe just forego the radio, you, you play your uh, MP3 play, play or whatever it might be, that you're able to uh, play your music, and uh, Apple Music, whatever it is. You just enjoy the songs that you can have at your fingertips. And you can turn to a song that, that will encourage you. You turn to another song that will help you through difficulty, uh, a song that will uh, help you be motivated in whatever you're trying to do. The music is so powerful. And, and that brings us through those difficult times, and it motivates us, and it takes us back to familiar places. Uh, some of you probably remember back in 1970, some of you, not all of you, 50 years ago almost, uh, the Carpenters wrote a song called Close to You. And some of you probably remember that song. It stayed at the number one, uh, top of the charts, number one for four weeks in uh, 1970. And the first verse to share with you real quick says, Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be close to you. Uh, that closeness is something that we would like to have with one another. And, you know, some of you are going, yes, let's get back to church. Let's do these things. I want to be close to other people again. And Rose Oviatt, I hear you. You're going to hug everyone. We understand that. So everyone be, be aware of that. But uh, not only close to one another, but I, I also, too, am reminded that we need to be close to God. And uh, this song, of course, by the Carpenters wasn't mentioning that. It was more of a relationship to a poor person couldn't quite have with this this other other person. So anyway, Carpenters wrote that song in 1970. Another Carpenter wrote a song. Um, it was a worship song, Kelly Carpenter. He was a vineyard worship pastor, and he wrote a song. It's called Draw Me Close to You. Now, we probably sung that before. You've sung it also, probably familiar with it. But the chorus goes like this. It says, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. And this is speaking about God. I, I want to be close to you. Let me know that you're near me and you're all I've ever wanted, needed. And uh, this song speaks about that. And so that song, Draw Me Close to You, again, speaks about the closeness we can have with God and how it is integral in our relationship uh, with Christ. Now, I'm also reminded of uh, a time when we had a vacation, our family had a vacation down in Disneyland, and uh, we drove on down for that and stayed about a week or so. And we visited, of course, Disneyland as well as California, that theme park as well. And at that time, California theme park still had the, the uh, Tower of Terror, and uh, we got in line with the boys, and we went through it, of course, uh, we meaning I and, and, and the boys, and uh, got done. But then Brianna wanted to be part of it as well, um, and, uh, really wanted to 
do what the guys were doing, I guess, basically. But as we were going through there, uh, I remember that uh, as we got in through the line and getting closer and closer to actually getting in, uh, she was hugging me closer and closer, hold, holding my arm as tight as she could do that. And uh, get into the air and finally getting into the, the ride, she would not let me go. <laughs> she was wanting to be really close to dad at that moment. And uh, I remember that, that time thinking, boy, I don't think she can get any closer to me. But uh, it, was a, it was a fun time. She had a great time with uh, the ride after it was done. But uh, drawing close to Brianna, drawing close to me, um, again, making the analogy that we also, too, during those times where we might find ourselves in uh, uh, stressful moments and fearful moments, we want to draw close to God because we know God can protect us. God can take us through those situations. And so we want to draw close to Him. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, about drawing close to God. And we're going to look at Psalm 27. So you can turn there if you haven't yet. Psalm 27 and... Uh, I've titled this one The Song of Closeness. Now, this kind of sounds kind of weird, I suppose. I couldn't find any kind of, any other kind of title to, to think about. But uh, A Song of Closeness because it, it's one that desires to be close to God. So I guess you could say it's a song of drawing close to God. You could do that too. But uh, Psalm 27 is what we're going to look at. And let me read that to you, and you'll see how it kind of un uh, unfolds for us. And what I'd like to do is go back through there and then... Uh, bring out some principles from this psalm to help us uh, identify, again, drawing close to God. So Psalm 27, it's a psalm, of course, David wrote, and uh, uh, Psalm 27 starts off in verse 1, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And that ends our reading in Psalm 27. 
Now, the first thing that comes to my mind when I read that Psalm 27, the first couple verses there, is the question basically, afraid of what? Afraid of what? Uh, there's four reasons that the psalmist lists there, that David lists there in verse 1, pretty much. Uh, uh, reasons not to be afraid. Four reasons to not be afraid. One is because the Lord is his name. His name is powerful. Another one is because the Lord is light. The Lord is light. When light casts out all darkness. Also, too, uh, a third reason to not... Uh, not be afraid at all it is because the Lord is salvation he will deliver and then of course because the Lord is a stronghold he's a, a rock in our life that we can go to now fear is a dark shadow that that just envelops us and ultimately imprisons us within within ourselves fear can be very crippling and each of us has been a prisoner of fear at one time or another Maybe a fear of rejection. We don't know if we want to try something new. We might be rejected by others who, who look at us and think, oh, probably didn't do it as well as we could, maybe. Maybe we fear mis misunderstanding. Uh, people might misunderstand what we're trying to say. We won't post anything on Facebook because people will misunderstand what we're actually saying. And in these, this climate of these days, I believe that to be very true. Um, maybe there's a, a, a fear of uncertainty. We don't know what to expect in the future, and so we're not quite sure if we're going to really do anything at all. Um, maybe there's a fear of a sickness, which is very, very evident these days with COVID-19 all around us. Um, people wearing masks wherever they go. There can be a great fear of thinking we might get sick. Um, maybe even death, a fear of death people might have. But we can conquer fear by using the bright, liberating light of the Lord. He brings us salvation. And if we want to dispel the darkness of fear in our lives, let us remember with the psalmist that the Lord is my light and my salvation. So remember that when next time fear comes knocking at your door. But if you could ask for one thing in all the world, what would you ask for? What would you ask for? I know maybe you might ask for health again, especially during these days. Um, you might want to be a healthy person, get through this COVID-19, and I not get it at all. Maybe you, you, you would ask for peace, the turmoil that is in our country these days. Yes, peace would be a very good thing to maybe ask for in all the world. Uh, maybe it's a vaccine for COVID-19. Uh, whatever it might be, it, it's important to you. But if you could ask for one thing in all the world, what would you ask for? You know, and, and again, no fair asking for more wishes. You can't do that. But uh, there's one person in the Bible, in 1 Kings chapter, five, chapter 3, actually, a guy named Solomon. And he was the son of David, of course. And he asked for wisdom. He wanted wisdom. So we, we are to seek after, as, as verses 4 and 5 describe what that is. And so who should we seek? Seek who? Afraid of what? Seek who now? And in, in verse 4, uh, 
David says, one thing I have asked, one thing I seek after. And he says, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple or tabernacle. Uh, those three things he was seeking after. And, and so if we were, if we could ask for one thing, if we could seek after one thing, what would it be? Well, David kind of gives us a, a key to that and what we should be going after. And by the house of the Lord and his temple, as David mentions there, David could be referring to the tabernacle that was in Gibeon. Remember that as we went through the life of David? Yeah, the tabernacle was set up there in Gibeon. Or maybe to the sanctuary. He could be referring to the sanctuary he had put up to the house, uh, to house the Ark of the Covenant. Or to the temple that his son, again, Solomon, was to build. But David probably had the temple in mind because he made many of the plans for it. But David may also have used the word temple or tabernacle to mean the presence of the Lord. And his greatest desire was to live in God's presence each day of his life. And you know, as a Christ follower, as, as a follower of Jesus, we should also have that same desire. But sadly, this is not the greatest desire of, of many who claim to be believers or followers of Jesus. There's just too many other things that seem to be pressing, that seem to be priority in our lives. But those who desire to live in God's presence each day will be able to enjoy that relationship forever. One thing David seeks is to be in the presence of the Lord. So why would that be a great thing? Of course, I mean, it's a silly question to ask. But David gives us six reasons to be in the presence of the Lord. And I want to pass those on to you. Six reasons to be in the presence of the Lord. One, because there is protection in the presence of the Lord. You're housed, you're in the temple, you were sheltered as the psalm talks about. We're in the tent, we're in the high rock, high level. He will hide or conceal me. Those things are described in Psalm 27. If we also look outside this Psalm 27, and other Psalms speak of those things as well. Psalm 31, verse 20 says, In the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Again, there is protection in the presence of the Lord. A second reason be in the presence of the Lord, there is beauty in the presence of the Lord. As we go through our day, we are reminded of how beautiful God is as we go through our day in the presence of the Lord, the beauty of his holiness, the beauty of his presence. A third reason to be in the presence of the Lord is because there is joy and gladness in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And then in Psalm 21, verse 6, says, surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. When we're in the presence of the Lord, there is joy and there is gladness. Uh, basically, uh, an indescribable joy. Because when you're just in the presence of the Lord, it, there's just a joy that comes from that that you can't explain. And it's, it's beautiful. 
Another reason, a fourth reason of being in the presence of the Lord is because there are no needs. No needs in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 23, that, that wonderful psalm we looked at um, last time we went through the summer of songs. Uh, psalm 23, the shepherd's song. Um, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. So there's nothing that we, we, we would need in the presence of the Lord. A fifth reason, being in the presence of the Lord, is good because there is no fear in the presence of the Lord. Again, if we look back at Psalm 23, and the first part of verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So, psalmist here, and David speaking here in Psalm 23, telling us that because we're we have God with us because we're in the presence of the Lord. We will fear no evil. There will be no fear because God will take care of things for us. He will protect us in his presence. So there's no fear. Also, too, uh, six, the final reason uh, I want to list here is that there is comfort in the presence of the Lord. If you look at that Psalm 23 again, uh, that second part of verse 4, it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we are, as we are in the presence of the Lord, there is comfort that comes from that as well. Knowing that he is in control, he will take care of the stuff that's all around us, and we just trust in him for his provision. So seek who? Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Psalm 27, back to the psalm we're looking at, verse 8 says, My heart says of you, seek his face. It's your face, Lord, I will seek. Now, in verse 10 of this psalm, it mentions something else, too, that's a little uh, concerning, uh, sad as well. It talks about how if a father or mother will abandon me or leave me, Lord, you will still be with me. You know, many have had that happen. Many have had that sad experience of being abandoned by a father or mother. There's broken homes that are all around us. Uh, differences of, of belief uh, that cause that to happen. Uh, addiction to drugs or alcohol will cause a father or mother to be separated from family. Even psychological isolation can leave children crippled by this loss. And the thing is, is that we need to realize that if our father or mother might abandon us or leave us, we still have God in our lives. Jesus will still be with us. You know, even as adults, that pain of, of separation may linger. Uh, but again, God can take that place in our life. He'll fill that void and heal that hurt. If there's someone here today that is listening that has that situation in their life, their father's no longer in their life, their mother is no longer in their life, realize that God can fill that void in our life as that that heavenly father that we would need. He can direct us also to, to, to adults who may take that role of father or mother for us. And we can uh, be provided uh, that type of role model in our life by God. His love is sufficient for all our needs. So we don't need to worry and be concerned. Then one other question that comes to mind in this is found in verse 13 and 14. We might ask, hold on to what? 
What should we be holding on to? And David believes one day he will be in the very presence of the Lord. And verse 13 talks about that. But in the meantime, he tells himself to do these things. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take courage. Wait for the Lord. Verse 14 talks about that. I believe we need to take that to heart these days as well. Going through the situation of COVID-19, we could probably be pretty anxious, fearful, um, not knowing what we need to be holding on to. We need to, we need to realize that we need to wait for the Lord. We need to be strong in Him. We need to take courage in Him. We need to wait for the Lord. And why, why do we need to do this? Again, remember, He is your light, He is your salvation, and He is your stronghold. He is the one that will take us through those difficult moments. He is the one that we can cling to. He is the one that is going to rescue us in the time of need. So keep the Lord as your priority. Keep that relationship as your priority. The presence of the Lord is with you, and we need to rest in that. So hold on to what? Hold on to the promises of God until they become reality. And that's what David was doing. He believed one day he will be in the very presence of the Lord. And you know, if you have given uh, yourself over to God, if you have received him as your Savior, and, and, and Lord, you too one day will be in the very presence of the Lord in heaven. And, and, and you will walk the streets of gold. There will be no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. It will be heaven. But until then, in the meantime, do those things that David is talking about. Cling to the promises of God until they become reality. So wait upon the Lord. Be strong in Him. Take courage in Him and wait Wait upon the Lord. Rest in Him. So seek the Lord's presence and hold on to His promises. Draw close to God. And so how do we do that? What can we do in order to draw close to God? Well, you know, it starts out with God's Word. You need to be reading it daily. You need to be doing devotions daily. If it's morning, midday, or night, whatever your routine is, stick with it. Get into God's Word and even go deeper. Study God's Word. Get involved with, with uh, the, uh, the Wednesday Bible study as we will get that going again. But also, too, uh, get involved with other people in studying God's Word. You don't have to wait for the pastor to get things started with that. Join someone else. You can do it across the phone. You can do it across computer these days. Maybe also, too, once we're able to get into phase two in this county, be able to meet with someone uh, at a coffee place or something like that. Be able to study God's Word. Get into it and uh, dig deep. But God's Word is where you can start. And you know, it also involves a special setting. Maybe for you, it's a special setting. Maybe you might, might want to go out into God's creation, go hiking somewhere. Um, just get out and watch a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise. For you to be able to get close to God, draw close to Him, realize what He has done for you. 
maybe it's a quiet place in your house. Um, you like to get uh, uh, in a setting like that. Your favorite chair, your favorite uh, lamp and table to set your coffee on and, and uh, uh, be able to have that moment to, with God. That's how you draw close to God. Uh, maybe it's the church sanctuary. You just come into the sanctuary there and you, you feel the presence of the Lord as you are there. We'll get there. One day we'll get back to that. Until then, I encourage you to find a great place to get close to God. Get the right setting for that. And you know, music plays a big part of that too. Uh, for me, uh, what I like to do is I like to get into a favorite chair. And actually, it's uh, the chair right back there. And uh, be able to sit there and uh, uh, listen to good music as I read devotions, uh, uh, devotionals that I have and God's Word. And be able to be guided and directed by Him in a prayer time as well. Um, music, though, plays a big part in all of this. It can guide you and direct you in drawing close to God. Which reminds me of a hymn that I want us to kind of close upon here in our time together. It is a hymn that you probably remember, some of you, uh, Nearer My God to Thee. It's a great hymn. Uh, the words were written actually by Sarah Flower Adams. You probably don't know her at all, uh, but her sister, Eliza, wrote the music. And together, those sisters came up with this hymn, uh, Nearer My God to Thee. The hymn is based actually upon Genesis 28, when Jacob had that dream, and then he saw a ladder reaching up to heaven and saw angels descending and ascending. And so that hymn comes from that portion of Scripture in Genesis 28. This, this hymn was also used in a number of different ways. Um, allegedly, it was used as the last song played by the band on the Titanic before it went down. Now, allegedly, because there's uh, some, some differences about uh, opinion about that, whether it happened or not. But also, too, it was played for U.S. presidents. Um, uh, there's a, a, a tale about uh, uh, surrounding uh, the death of the president, William McKinley, in uh, September 1901. And uh, it quotes his dying words as being the first few lines of the hymn, Near My God to Thee. And at 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon of uh, September 14, 1901, after five minutes of silence across the nation, numerous bands across the United States played the hymn, McKinley's favorite, in his memory, Near My God to Thee. And it was also played by the Marine Band on, uh, on Pennsylvania Avenue during the funeral procession. Through, uh, through Washington and at the end of the funeral service itself and at, at a memorial service for him in Westminster Abbey in London. So all, it, was, it was McKinley's favorite hymn, and it was played for him during that time. And the hymn was also uh, played as the, uh, the, the body of assassinated American President James Garfield was interned, interred at uh, Lakeview Cemetery in Cleveland, Ohio. And at the funerals of former U.S. Presidents Warren G. Harding and Gerald R. Ford. So this hymn is very well known. And you probably have uh, sung it. You probably have, have, it, have had it played uh, to give you encouragement and draw you closer to the Lord. Now also too, uh, North Clackamas Christian Schools Choir, the Excelsior Choir, also used this to in their one of their concerts as well. And uh, they were able to do a compilation for it 
um, great rendition of, of that piece. And I've asked Becky to come and uh, talk about that. So Becky, why don't you come on in and join me. And she's going to give a little more information about this hymn um, that uh, the, the North Clackamas Christian School Excelsior Choir sung and, and videotaped. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Well, um, I, I got to do this song with my um, Excelsior Choir, and the choir is actually named after the Latin word excelsior, which means ever upward. Um, and he told me that I um, got to say why this was important to me and what it meant to me. Um, and as I was doing my devotions this week, I, I um, wanted to share a little bit of my devotions that I thought really went along. So um, bear with me. I hope that was okay. Um, it talks about the fires of sorrow, and I just thought it fit just perfectly with the near my God to these. It says, as a saint of God, my attitude towards sorrow and difficulty should not be to ask that they be prevented, but to ask that God protect me so that I may remain what he created me to be in spite of all the fires of sorrow. And I just thought that was amazing, like to, to, um, to more embrace sorrow, not because we want it to come, but because it changes us. Um, and also sorrow removes shallowness is something it talked about in my devotion. Um, it removes shallowness. You can't stay shallow, but it doesn't necessarily make you better. Um, it's going to make you different. It can either sweeten you or it can destroy you. Um, Thought that was really powerful. Um, another part said that sorrow removes a great deal of a person's shallowness. Um, and it just really was, that was a powerful part to me. Um, and it also said that the only way to find yourself in the fires of sorrow, that is the only way. Um, why, why it should be that way is immaterial. Like we, I wish it wasn't, but it is. The fact is that it is true in the scriptures and in human experience. You can always recognize who has been through the fires of sorrow and received himself. And you know that you can go to him in the moment of trouble and find that he has plenty of time for you. But if a person has not been through the fires of sorrow, he is apt to be contemptuous or having no respect or time for you, only turning you away. If you will receive yourself in the fires of sorrow, God will make you nourishment to other people. I just thought that was just really powerful, and it really went along with this near my God to thee. Um, the The piece that we did has a combination of Latin and English. Um, this is the, you, you can find Brianna in one of the squares. Um, this was one that we did this, um, this spring when we turned from our regular um, choir stuff that we got to do to the virtual choir. Um, and so it's up on YouTube, so it was easy to pull up because we already had it. Um, uh, Brianna's also in there, if you can find her. We have two soloists, uh, Ian Watt and Haddon Stark, um, and they are both seniors, and you'll find them in the center of the squares, um, and then the girls' quartet over the top of that. Um, the Latin means, the interpretation of the Latin is, at the moment of death, my strength comes from you, from God. Um, God helping, nothing should be feared. And then the word excelsior, when they say that, it means ever upward. So the interpretation of the Latin combined with excelsior is forever direct us ever upward. Near my God to thee. Very good. Well, we're going to listen to this and you'll see the video. Uh, you'll really enjoy it quite a bit if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> 
And uh, so go ahead and watch that. And uh, you stay with me when we okay. come back after the video. And then we'll close up together. So okay. watch the video. job with that video um, and you're right all the different squares that you could see the different <laughs> people there that was wonderful a great message for the song too wonderful wonderful message I'm gonna pray and then uh, um, I'll have some closing comments but uh, let's pray Lord Jesus thank you for this time together and Lord thank you for reminding us that your presence is with us and Lord that we just need to relax and rest in it and Lord I pray also too that uh, this hymn, uh, Near My God to Thee, will ring in our ears, along with this Psalm 27, reminding us that we need to be drawing close to you, 
drawing close to you, during, especially during these times when um, so many things are so uncertain with uh, everything um, happening around us. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to remind us that uh, in your presence is the place we need to be. So, Lord, I pray that you remind us of those things as we go on our day and uh, the week to come here. Help us, Lord, to be messengers of your peace as well to those around us. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for Excelsior Choir as well and sharing that song and uh, for Becky giving leadership to the choir and all that. And I just pray, Lord, again, that uh, you would just be glorified in all that we say and do this week. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.